This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at leno.com slash ifreaks. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 224 of the iFreaks show. Today on our panel, we have Guy Rambo. Hello from Brazil. This is Jame. I'm calling in from Minneapolis. And we've got some guests today. We've got Meng Tu and Marcos Grisely. Hi, from Montreal. Hi, guys, from Argentina. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so we brought you on the show. We're going to talk about the design code platform, which I was not very familiar with, but can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Uh, so design code is a place where people can really learn uh, how to do an iOS app from scratch. So uh, one of the problems that I wanted to solve was to get designers involved in the development process. And, uh, you know, like three years or four years ago when I started doing design for iOS, I ran into this problem where like, you know, how do I implement my own design? You know, because on the web, a designer would just come in and, you know, design something and then do the CSS part. But when I w was doing the iOS design, then I was like, how do I do the implementation of it? So I got really obsessed with iOS development. And, uh, you know, as a result, I wanted to kind of help uh, make it faster, uh, more efficient. And I ended up, you know, writing a book about it in the end. So this is three, three years later. And we have uh, a website called Design Code. But also we are releasing an iOS app where you can basically learn the whole thing. Uh, it's super friendly and anyone can can learn from beginners to intermediate level and even advanced. So we have Marco who's helping with the more advanced uh, tutorials. So, you know, in summary, that's that's basically it. You know, we're a platform for learning and we hope to get a lot of people on board. Okay. Would you say this is more, this is more targeted towards a designer or an iOS developer? So it's both. Uh, right now, I mean, on, in the first iteration of the book, we I really tried to target the designers first. Um, but in the second iteration of the book, we're targeting both. Um, and we have a lot of content for developers as well. And I've already released some article which got uh, pretty much shared a lot across, you know, the Twitter sphere. And, you know, we have articles on designing for iPhone 10 and we have like videos uh, like 20, you know, like, like 10 hours of videos currently, and we, we're hoping to get a lot more just learning Sketch and how to design for iOS 11. So we're super up to date. We're, um, you know, also, you know, teaching people how to do design for, you know, like uh, the Apple Watch and uh, soon it's going to be the Apple TV. And of course, if you are like a, a web developer who's never touched iOS development before, this is perfect for you as well because you're learning how to transfer that knowledge to iOS development, so Swift 4. As a developer, I, I love that you talk about the basics of design as well, not just 
the practical aspects. Uh, I love the, I think there is a section about typography and I learned a lot from it. So I, I can confirm that it's interesting for developers as well, not just designers. That's awesome. And yes, we, we do have like a, a section on colors, which uh, seems to really please the developers a lot. Uh, obviously we have the newly launched like sketch chapter, which has, like I said, 10 hours of videos. And we're also planning to, to do videos for the entire chapter one. So on colors, typography, animation, all the, all the things that a lot of developers come to me and they're like, I struggle with this stuff. So I really try to deepen the knowledge on that. And especially with the team now, uh, we're going to make it so much better. So you, you talked about a team. How big is the team? And what, what, what are you guys doing that you weren't doing before? So currently we are about 10 people. And, uh, you know, it, it grew really fast because, you know, one day I was like, I sent a tweet and was like, we're, you know, we're looking for a designer slash coder uh, to join the team. And I got like 50 people applying for it. And what was special about that moment is that, you know, it's not it's not just anyone. Right. It's it's people who actually read the first book and people who are super passionate about the the goals that we have, the vision that we have to, you know, to to get developers to do design and designers to do uh, Swift. So we got like you know, people from around the world, people who, who I've met when I was traveling for two years. Uh, we've got Marco who's here right now. And, uh, you know, Marco is, is super helpful because, uh, I designed the app up to a point where I, I basically struggle so much with performance. Um, and, and I was trying to do this really, uh, really cool transition inspired by the app stores transition. And of course we kind of like make it, uh, you know, work with uh, the, the layout for the book itself. But eventually, you know, I run into a problem where like the performance was not good enough. The animation was a bit sluggish in some parts. I had to support uh, the iPad, the iPhone in both landscape and portrait, uh, the iPhone 10. And so Marco came in and he, he did a lot of stuff to fix that. And as you can see from the iOS beta, but maybe Marco can talk a little bit about what he did. Yeah, tell us yeah, I mean, how, how you optimize it. I, I'm curious now. Yeah, well, the main issue was that most of the content is part from HTML. And all the sections of the, of the book are, are pulled from our service, which has the data in the, in the web format. So we had to use the, the Apple's, you know, the integrated HTML parsing which at some point seemed like not a very good idea, you know, because it runs on the on WebKit and needs to run on the main thread. So it pretty much block, blocks everything you do. So we were kind of on a tight spot because we weren't able to rewrite everything on the book and we needed to support new tags coming in um, from the new sections that were written. So at first we started doing some some. Uh, internal parsing with and a scanner and then we realized that it's not going to cut it because everyone was putting in more work and more content into the app and supporting different html tags you know like log quotes links um lists code uh, we're displaying a lot of code which which takes which is a very important part of the last two chapters 
So what we did is is pretty much parse all the HTML while the animation for presenting the section is running. Um, without as 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 you present, it's not interactive, so there's no user interaction in between, which gives us that that little time breach to pretty much parse everything we need and then have it ready to to display off the main thread, um, which was was not being done before, and and it pretty much had to you had to wait like for five sec five seconds or something to start scrolling because it was doing all the parsing after the animation. So it's kind of one of those trade-offs that, that you have to do when you, when you build software, right? Yeah. And the result is really cool. The, all of the scrolling and transitions, they're really fluid. Um, I'm testing it on my iPhone 10 and I, I can't see any dropped frames or anything. So congratulations. It definitely worked. Um, so you, Talk about um, developers and designers. There's this thing in our industry that developers and designers are always fighting against each other. Uh, how do you feel uh, about that? Uh, do, do you think that the work you're doing is trying to solve that issue? Well, first of all, I, I just want to say that this is a problem that I... I feel very strongly about and you know me and Marco we uh you know we we never fight I mean it's not saying that we never debate but we never fight and when I try to approach a problem I want to kind of be the the first person to experience it first of course when I you know when I was working with a team of developers before when I was at a startup in San Francisco um, sure, there were, there were, there were a bit of a fight versus like, you know, I want to have this design. I want to have it this way. I want these animations to be super awesome. I have this prototype and then you go to the developer and they can, they can do maybe 20, 25% of it. And so that was kind of like the, the friction that you had in your team. Um, but what I want to say is that for a designer who knows how to, um, contribute in term of animations, and I'm not talking about you know, prototyping code. I'm talking about real code using, you know, UI property uh, animator, for example. Um, you know, it. first of all, as a designer, you, you have firsthand experience on how to animate that, that thing. Even though it might not be necessarily the final code, at least you experience it from a more develop, development-centric perspective. So when you have that experience, when you have those struggles, as a designer, you, you, you sort of tend to sit back a little bit and you're like, hmm, maybe I can do this differently. You know, maybe I can, uh, you know, maybe I can use a technique that makes more sense to my developer. So I'd, as a result, um, you know, I've been working with Marco for the, for the past month on the app. And I can say, you know, we've, we haven't been compromising a lot. Um, so as you can see, the result of the app is basically the result of our collaboration together. And, it, you know, we didn't go to a place where, hey, we're just going to do 25% of it. Actually, we did 100% of it. So maybe Marco can, can develop on that, but that, that's been my experience so far. Yeah, I think it's, it's teamwork um, from both parts. I think the, from our side, sometimes it happens that the designers come, come with this super cool animation or, or transition when you don't even have like the, the main functionality working. But those are again, some of the, 
of the decisions we had to make with with men, whether to focus on some part or another part, and and you know, and progress in, in the important things first. But the cool thing is that I was able to maybe set up something, set up a, a, a transition or, or correct some code. And I knew that if Meng um, worked a bit over that code, he would do he would do a good job. So he wouldn't have to call me and say like, hey, Marcos, I want to touch this transition or I want to edit, you know, the alphas or, or the translation or scale, change the scale a little bit. And, and I wouldn't have to go to the class and say like, oh, okay, what, what value do you want? 0.8 or 0.9? You know, I could just, uh, we could just work together and, and, and that's cool. He knows how to, how, how things work and how to code. So I'm not saying that all the designers should know how to code, but at least, you know, have some idea of how things work. And the same goes for, for developers with design. That's why the book is so useful for both parties. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've, you know, in most teams, you've got your designers and you've got your developers and they're on different teams. Maybe if you have an enlightened team, you've got a designer working with your developers, but it doesn't have to be that way. You know, it, a designer can get in the code and do things and, you know, a coder can do some design things. And the first time I was where I've worked with teams where this has worked well. And the first time like our, the developers realized that, wait, the designer's going to get in our code and change stuff and our nibs. Like we kind of freaked out a little bit, kind of defensive, but well, it turned out we could implement the basic functionality and the designer would come in and, and tweak it however they wanted it. And, you know, every once in a while, pull down your code and it looked better and it looked good. So you don't need to have these clear lines between developer and designer. It, there can be a blend. And I think it works well with teams if you can use the strength of both. It also helps for the designer to know the constraints that the developer is in. Like uh, not everything is possible uh, in not everything you can think of is possible to actually implement in a performant and usable way. So if the designer knows about the constraints, he can work around the constraints and make a design that's more easily or more feasible to implement. Yeah, and I also want to add to that, that a lot of designers, you know, they're way more comfortable than developers, let's say in auto layout, for example, because you know, when we when you make the layout and you spend like eight hours a day uh, doing the layout, and especially now with the 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 evolution of the design tools nowadays, uh, basically you can do constraints in Sketch. Uh, you can do constraints in in auto design tools, uh, Framer, and uh, you know, Envision um, Studio very soon, and Figma. Uh, um, so we we have a, a really good understanding of how the layout works and how it should be adaptive. So this is one of the things that I noticed that, you know, when I was working with iOS developers, sometimes they have problems and it's not their fault. It's just that they haven't touched uh, the design all that much. Like it's, it's basically something that was delivered to them. So it takes them a lot of time to get familiar with it versus having a designer who's already familiar with it for, you know, 20, uh, 30 hours. And, you know, coming in and setting out, setting up the auto layout, even the animation, this is something that we, we have been trained to be good at. So, you know, we have this really good understanding how, of how animation work. 
So, you know, like you said, just to be able to come in, you know, play a little bit with some of the basic um, frameworks set by Apple and then tweaking these little values uh, to make the animation feel good, I think can be tremendously helpful to the, to the whole development process and to developers in general. So what are some things that developers can learn from designers? Yeah, there's a lot of things. Um, so far, for me, it's it's been a matter of maybe you know taking a step back and trying to see the the whole perspective, see things as 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 a whole. Like for example, with with the app that we built, whenever we try to add something new or edit a transition, um, maybe I think that that myself or, or developers in general, but I'm going to speak for me in this case. Um, we're very centric into what we're building and maybe, you know, not taking, um, you know, as you said, we get defensive with, with our, our things, our code, what we build. And if we take, if we, if we take a design decision because I don't know, it's the way it's done on iOS 11 or, or because some big company does it that way, we're kind of defensive on that way. And we're not so open to someone else coming out and saying like, hey, maybe your animation is wrong or maybe you could do things other way. And and so far, I've seen that many times I took this small decision or, or thought things some way and, and some of the designers of the team had a much more broad vision of, of the whole product and the platform and what it meant, which which made a lot more sense than, than, than what I was focusing on at the moment with, with, you know, my task in hand. Yeah. And I would like to add to that, that, you know, um, back in the day, I remember when I was working with Photoshop, it was really, really hard to convince the developer to, to touch Photoshop because Photoshop is such a complex, uh, application. So whenever they, they tried to, to use Photoshop, it was like impossible. Um, so uh, I think with the, the evolution of tools nowadays, uh, tools have gotten so much simpler. And as a result, I'm seeing a lot more developers, you know, coming in and, you know, coming to these design tools such as Sketch, uh, Figma, and even Zeppelin and uh, Envision to kind of take uh, a lot of like the, 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 the values, you know, the properties of the fonts and the colors and stuff, stuff like that. So there's definitely a lot more collaboration going on. And, um, and I think that's a really exciting time to be learning design as a developer. Uh, you know, like, like Marco said, he, you know, in, in a lot part, in, in a lot of stuff that we do in the iOS app, for example, in, in terms of the transition and how it feels, I'm, I'm ba basically giving him free reign on how to tweak some of these things. And, and oftentimes I come back really, you know, aved by what he's done, you know, because it, it really takes someone who has like basic knowledge and even more comfortable knowledge of design to to be comfortable with tweaking these uh you know animation settings and transitions to make sure that the layout is perfect so um you know i, I think the challenge is really like to get the developers to to take a design to understand the foundation of the design to understand a lot about margins and colors and and typography and apply that knowledge uh when they're in front of like xcode and, uh, you know, tweaking those things so that when they go back to the designer, you know, 
both people are basically on the same page and they can kind of like, you know, collaborate more um, on, on an equal level, uh, regardless of if it's design or code. For you, the listeners of the iFreak show, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at lootcrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. So what can an iOS developer do to learn about margins? Um, okay, so in terms of margins, I mean, you know, if you look at the the iOS 11 guidelines, for example, they, they suggest somewhere like between 8 and 16. And so uh, it, that's definitely one of the things, you know, we have these guidelines and they are very strict. Uh, thank God, because otherwise we would have these apps that are completely inconsistent. Uh, you, you know, like you have to go to have a good negative spacing. So, for example, if it's between uh, two two titles, you know, then the, the spacing is going to be less than if it was between, like, let's say a title and an image or a media or a video or in between sections. So if you have a, like a separated line, you know, to know these uh, these sort of um, guidelines really help the developer to kind of like give an approximation of something rather than being completely off the uh, the target, right? So, you know, I, I remember like three or four years ago, I look at a developer's Xcode or a zip file, and, you know, you, you can definitely see that they don't understand margins and paddings and all that stuff. Uh, but nowadays I look at it and it's like, you know, I think, I think a lot of developers have a much better understanding of these um, basic things like, you know, negative spacing, colors, typography, and stuff like that. So what is negative spacing? Myself as an iOS developer, I don't really know. And most of our audience are also iOS developers, and we don't know. So what is negative spacing? So negative spacing is all about, um, you know, when you have a lot of content, uh, you want to give as much room as possible so that it doesn't feel cluttered. Um, so negative spacing is like, you know, the, the margins or the, the spacing between the content from one, like, let's say, group of content versus another group of content. Um, you know, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's just to have to, to feel more comfortable. It's like going into a room and instead of having like everything cramped, all the furniture being cramped and can, you can barely walk in the room. Well, you can, you know, you, you go inside the room and right away you can, you can walk in a straight line and you have no problem with it. So that that level of comfort is applied to to design uh, for the user interface, and then you know you give a lot more comfort uh, for reading, for uh, for for navigation, and for you know it, just like looking at the content in general and noticing these small details in your design. I learned about negative space from a designer that told me that uh, the content has to breathe. So that's why you need the extra spacing so the content can breathe and, and be alive. If you just 
cram everything in there, it, it dies, basically. Yeah, Miles Davis said, music is the space in between the notes. I think design is the same way. <laughs> so let's talk about iOS 11. So what, what things have changed with iOS 11 that iOS developers should care about regarding design? Um, okay, regarding design, I'll answer this one. Um, regarding design, I would say that iOS 11 is all about the iPhone 10, and it's all about the safe area layout guides. It's all about, um, you know, how how we have a much taller screen now versus before, you know, where you know a lot of people tend to use the hamburger menu before before, and now they're using uh, the tab bar a lot more. If you look at any app you know, in the app store or by Apple, you'll see that the tab bar is much more present than before. And, and the, the, the hamburger menu has practically disappeared, I would say, um, except maybe from Google, but Google, as you know, they're, they're like a little bit stuck to their own design language and they try to port that into iOS, which, you know, sometimes work and sometimes it doesn't. And so, uh, those are, I would say the, the changes. And also I would say there's a much bigger, focus on gestures now uh, back then everything was you know you know you tap here you go here but now with the iPhone 10 you know you swipe from the bottom you can swipe between uh, between applications uh, there's a lot of swiping going on if, if you look at uh, the app store design which I love um, especially on the the news and today uh, you, you can see there's a lot of gestures going on and and the thing about gestures is that it's not it shouldn't be something that should be your go-to, uh, you know, way of navigation, uh, navigation, navigating an app. It's more like the way to add a level of ease for someone who's familiar with gestures. So for the first experience, it's good to have like, hey, this is a tab bar. Let's click on it. And then for someone whose one-handed usage is, you know, off the <laughs> off the roof, who likes to do that all the time, uh, basically. You want to be able to hold your phone and you know do everything by using just your thumb. So that's where gestures come in. And as you can see from the iPhone 10, there's a lot of gestures, um, and it, it feels great. You know, I, I use the iPhone 10 now, and it's like it feels so natural. You know, I can just swipe between applications, which is some not something that I used to do before. Um, you swipe, you know, from the home screen uh, to the home screen, and so uh, yeah, those are some of the focuses I, I would say on you know iOS 11. Yeah, the navigational gestures on iPhone 10 were frowned upon when it first came out, but uh, I can definitely say that I love them. And I find myself sometimes just playing around with the UI. I'm not doing anything, I'm just navigating because it's so cool and it works so flawlessly. But uh, you talked about uh, the issues for designers and what about developers? What should we look for uh, when developing for iOS 11 and iPhone 10? Well, there's been a lot of introductions, you know, this past, this past month with iOS. I don't think, I don't think there's, there's this huge changes with regards, um, how you develop or, or the introduction of, of new things that change basic apps. You know, they introduced AR kit, which, we are super excited to to teach in in the upcoming future, and you know core core ML as well. Um, I don't think there's there's this huge jump uh, from the development perspective, like like with previous versions 
of, of what you're going to support. You know, maybe you got big titles or you got, I don't know, um, like, I don't know, for example, notifications last year totally change it with, with rich user notifications. I don't think there's, there's something, uh, that big in, in, in change from iOS 11 developing regular apps, you know, that don't, that don't include ARKit or CoreML. So not much refactoring to so do this year. Uh, not not other to not other than to support you know the large titles when when you need them, and maybe use you know um, codable if you're using Swift four. That's probably you know the, the the most happy refactor that I had to do on on some projects. You know, just dismissing all the Swift, all the JSON handling, the external JSON handling. And parsing and just you know dropping codable conformance and being able to cast it uh, to JSON parse JSON back and forth with no problem. But yeah, there's no this there's no huge other thing like in other years maybe. You mentioned large titles. Uh, I wanna ask Meng, uh, how do I decide between regular titles and large titles? Is there a guideline for that? Uh, is there a design reason for using or not using the large titles on iOS 11? Yes, I'd be happy to answer that. So uh, the large titles really, I think, is, is um, a nod to the evolution of design in terms of accessibility. So what we're trying to do here is that we're trying to make the design more approachable. And so when, when I, 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 iOS 7 came out, the problem was that everything was so thin and uh, you know everything is so digitalized. Everything is so, uh, you know, like we kind of made a huge jump between, you know, skeuomorphic design, which was super familiar, super heavy, super textured, to something that is completely digital. And at, at times it, it felt like you can't really see well the titles and the icons because you you know we had to use line icons at the time but now everything is bolder um, not everything is filled but definitely the lines are bolder than before before it was like maybe a one point line or a two point line now it's like three point or four points uh, and and oftentimes the icon become fill and the same thing with titles and, and text before it was all about the light typography now we don't use light typography anymore we use uh semi bold we use bold so to answer to answer your question regarding large large titles first for uh first of all you don't want to use the large titles everywhere because as with anything in design such as colors uh big titles you don't want to use use it everywhere on the screen otherwise it compete with each other right if you have like one color um, versus three colors, well, the three colors are going to co compete with each other versus having just one color for the call to action. Uh, the large title is the same concept. The large title, you you only want to have one large title and then maybe more subtitles using maybe semi-bold or bold, depending on, on, on what you want for your structure. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, try to not use all black or all gray you want to kind of like transition between large title in, in all black and then maybe the subtitles maybe uh, a little bit smaller to like, let's say, 28 point. 
Um, that would be like dark gray, for example. So it's good to have, um, you know, to play, you know, to see how it feels good and how it kind of uh, uh, reads well and it's not too, you know, too heavy to um, to the user. Um, so, yeah, you know, you use the large title to follow, you know, for example, Apple's guidelines regarding the top of the screen versus where when you scroll down, it transition to the navigation bar. So that's that's a very good use usage of the uh, the large title, and then it's just about like balancing it with the other uh, typography on the page. Oh, that's very cool. So one of the challenges I've had over the years is working with a designer that maybe comes from a more of a web background, and I'm trying to explain the difference between web design and mobile design. Um, how can like, how can a web designer learn more about mobile? Is the design code platform, is that a good way to do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm personally, um, you know, I have like 15 years of experience doing web. So I can definitely attest to these, uh, you know, the struggles of like transitioning from web to uh, to iOS. Um, the first thing is that, you know, on the web, you have a giant screen. And so the, the values of the texts and, and such is not the same as... Uh, the values, you know, in terms of points and sizes to uh, to iOS, you have a much smaller screen. The way that you do the, the navigation is completely different. Like, for example, a website uh, should never have a tab bar. But on the iOS app, you, you, you know, practically now uh, for iOS 10, you know, you most of the apps have tab bars. Um, so on the website, you have like the top menu. And a lot, oftentimes when people... Um, adapt to a mobile screen. They, they use the hamburger menu, which is fine for a website, but it's not fine on an iOS app. So those are some of the, the nuances. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, but in terms of design, you know, you have to make sure that it kind of respects the, you know, the minimum font size, such as like 12 points, for example. But nowadays it's more like 15 to 17 points for text. Uh, and 20 even for a more comfortable reading if you have a lot of a lot of text on your page. So uh, yeah, that's in terms of text. In terms of colors, it's pretty much the same. In terms of buttons, I would say that yeah, the buttons tend to be much bigger, and you don't have small buttons except for text. But text, if it's big enough, then the buttons that are links uh, should be okay. Um, but it, that's not one like apart from the actual navigation bar, for example, where you have the, the text buttons, you shouldn't really use text as much in terms of the, the rest of the screen to uh, to navigate the app. You should definitely use like the giant buttons and the tab bar and stuff like that. I think the challenge of moving from web to mobile is usually the same as, let's say, uh, a desktop app developer moving to mobile, you have to keep in mind that it's going to be used in different environments and you're going to have your fingers manipulating the UI, so you need bigger touch targets. And of course, you need to keep in mind that you're designing for a platform that has a specific design language. It's not like the web where you can create your own design language. You have to you can be creative, of course, but you have to follow the guidelines. Yeah, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. So, what more can you tell us about design code? Um, so, design code, uh, like I 
it's really some people uh, who really want to get into iOS development and iOS design, who wants to use the latest technologies in terms of sketch, you know, who, who wants to kind of learn, uh, kind of doing a leapfrog in terms of like both design and development. Uh, because, you know, of course you can, you know, go and, and Google on Stack Overflow and, you know, on a bunch of courses, you can put piece, uh, you know, bits and pieces from here and there. Of course, people can learn from that. And, and I highly encourage you to do that if you have the time to do it. But the, the, the great thing about Design Plus Code is that, you know, we're putting all of that together and we're making it into a super cohesive experience where you can basically learn the whole thing and using the best tools possible to get from point A to point B. So if you're a designer wanting to learn Swift and you have like some experience doing CSS or Framer, you can definitely like really learn quickly how to to get to Swift and doing, you know, uh, Swift animation and, and using Swift Playground, doing uh, auto layout with X with Xcode Storyboard, uh, you know, using size classes that you can, you know, uh, do conditions for, you know, working for iPhone and iPad. Uh, and and if you're a developer who wants to learn design, you know, it's it's really it's even harder to find design resources that resonate for for iOS developers. So we're really putting like a really nice uh, kind of a course for you where you're you're learning all about iOS design and you're learning about iOS 11 for the iPhone 10. You're learning, you're learning about Sketch and how to use PDF assets, which by the way, like not a lot of courses actually cover uh, PDF assets at all. Um, but you know, we do because we firmly believe in these small details uh, that really is resonate with both designers and developers. Yeah, even if you're an advanced developer, you'll find a lot of things that are useful, not only on the design part, but we notice, for example, both Meng and I have open source animations library libraries that, that became quite popular. So we realized that a lot of people, a lot of developers have not completely grasped uh, that concept of, of how to build nice animations or, or transitions, you know, as soon as we shared the, that similar to the app store transition that we do on, on the app, everyone on Twitter was, was asking, you know, how we build it, or if we're going to open source it because they want to use it on their own, on their own projects. And, and the truth is that I think that they, they asked about, they asked about it because they don't have, uh, the, the clear concepts about how these APIs work, I don't blame them. The transitions API, it's a bit messy, but we're going to go through it on the book, uh, in, in, in detail. So maybe advanced users that, that, you know, know how to code really well, but maybe don't have this parts completely, completely known. Maybe they could, they could take a lot from it as well. Yeah, and, and I want to add to that that we're we're open sourcing the app very soon, and uh, you know Marco is on the team so that he can write the more advanced stuff. So it's not just going to be like basic Swift knowledge. Of course, it, there is basic Swift knowledge, and I will be teaching most of that toward gears towards like people who have done web development, for example, who's never done Swift, or designers who wants to get into Swift. But also Marco is going to come in and I'm going to be working with him to kind of touch more like the performance stuff, uh, the, the, the libraries that we use, the animation, the transitions, uh, all the more advanced part. And we're, we're hoping to do ARKit uh, later and even React, React Native in, in, in the future. So we're definitely like 
you know, expanding um, the, the scope of the book and uh, we're, we're making it more and more advanced as we go. That's very cool. So it sounds like there's a lot of really neat stuff in here. So we're running a little bit low on time. Uh, let's get to the picks. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Guy, what do you have for us? Okay, I have selected a very cool project. It's, it's by Apple and it came out last week, I think. And it's called To Recreate. And uh, from their GitHub readme, To Recreate simplifies the development of custom machine learning models. And I can attest to that. I just tried it out over the weekend. And it's, it really simplifies the process of creating machine, machine learning models. I used uh, my own data set and I trained a recommender model really quickly with just a few lines of Python code. So yeah, check it out to recreate. It's on GitHub and it's really cool. Very cool. We talked a little bit about machine learning in our last episode, Andrew and I did, all during the picks. So we're pick heavy on machine learning. Uh, Meg, do you have a pick? Yeah, so for me, there's an app that really stands out in our office. Uh, we, we had a lot of fun with it. It's called HQ Trivia. And uh, I thought it was a really, really genius idea to kind of bring a live show on the iOS app. And then you, the UI is really well done, too. You know, like uh, they give a notification when something's happening, like when there's a show. You know, it's basically uh, someone who's doing a live show asking like trivia questions and you can win money through it um so you can get like you know um you know fifty dollars to hundred dollars if you of course answer right on the 12 questions but i thought it was really interesting they have these live you know commenting and uh you know this this kind of really cool um live show of, of someone who's asking these questions and then you know you have a timer on the questions so i thought that's a really really cool concept that we we Definitely, we'll see more in the future uh, on on the iOS platform and, and Android as well. Very cool. Yeah, put a link in in the Skype chat, and we'll get it in the show notes. Sure, Marcos, do you have a pick for us? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, now that we are on the on the topic of design plus code and that interaction between designers and coders, um, I think my pick would have to go to this flawless tool. Uh, not not sure if you guys know it. It's called Flawless App, which basically lets you compare designs to the implementation you do inside the simulator and do like half and half screen of the of the sketch file 
and the and and the app that you built so you get you can you know swipe left and right to get the the implementation or leave it on the middle to to compare and i think it's something super useful to to have your designers or developers uh well basically your developers use you as a designer sending that to them to make sure the implementation is as close as possible to the to the design okay very cool that seems like a good way to level up our design skills Mm -hmm. oh very cool so that's about it for our show i'd like to thank mang and marcos for coming on we learned a bunch about design code the platform and just design in general so i'd like to thank you guys for coming on the show wow thank you so much for having us yeah thanks guys and for everyone else we'll see you all next week bye bye Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.